just want to welcome you all here. And I want to say how much an incredible reminder that little video clip was. The church is not a building, it is a community. And even though we talk about the church building a lot, even though you're going to hear more about that over this coming year, because we, we really need to expand it, the church isn't the building. The church is the community of believers that meets here in this building. And then in that clip it said, everything you enjoy on Sunday morning happens because people serve. And that one's huge. You can show up here on a Sunday morning at 9.25 or 10.55, and the first thing you notice is that some handsome servant has already mowed the lawn and looks really nice out there. And then you will meet two servants at the door. They will greet you there. And if you have a child under the age of grade six, then you will go downstairs to where the Glow Kids check-in is. And there you will see that there have been six people plus our children's director that have been serving through that week, preparing lessons, preparing the classroom so that your child can have an incredible experience that morning. And then if you look to your left, that's where our nursery is and someone will be in there serving with the children. And then to the right, you will notice our media room. And these are the guys that are down there making sure that our live feed works. They're controlling all these cameras and the different shots that you see up on the screen behind me. They control the sound for our online feed. And if they decided to pull a few plugs, we'd be in trouble. So we need those servants. So then you come back upstairs and you notice some servant has prepared coffee. So you get some coffee and you might even get a chocolate chip cookie if it's good. Usually they're here at the first service and they might be all gone by now. So pitch to come at 9.30. And then, then you will notice someone serving at our welcome center and that person will guide you as far as next steps here at our church or maybe in relationship with Jesus. Then you walk through those double doors and come into the worship center and to your right you will notice somebody serving at the sound, we call it the cart because it's a lot smaller than a sound booth. And those are the guys that make me sound good and James, our associate pastor, and also the band, although they don't really need any help. They could be up here without any sound system. And then uh, at right on 9.30 or 11, the band, the people that are serving in the band this week begin to lead us in worship. And for those guys, it wasn't just show up at 9.20. They had some time on their own practicing the songs at home. Then they were together for a major practice as a group. And then they came this morning at 10 to 8 for sound check and to make sure that everything was right and to enable us to have a time of prayer before the first service starts. And then I never even mentioned that during the service, there will be a time when we celebrate the Lord's Supper. And some servant has prepared the communion trays that day. And four other people will serve them to you. And then I never mentioned that you come in here, the kids, the teenagers, they're stoked because they've been at Ignite Youth on Wednesday night and there were people serving there as youth leaders that made that experience great for them. And then the adults are coming in stoked because they've been a part of a life group and somebody was serving in leading that life group. So it just goes on and on. And then we read further in what that 
clip said, Jesus modeled to us how to serve by becoming human. So that is the incarnation. And what greater way can there be to serve than for him to actually become one of us? Healing the sick. People from all around were hearing about this teacher from Nazareth and the fact that he could perform miracles and they were coming to him to be healed. And then he was feeding the hungry. And we read one account where there were probably 20,000 people that he fed at one time. And then forgiving our sins and dying on the cross. What greater way could there be for someone to serve than to actually give their life for us? That's the ultimate. And the scriptures tell us that he didn't come to be served by anyone else. He came to be a servant. And he came to give his life as a ransom for many. And then the clip closed with, we are called to follow in his footsteps. Where can you serve? And that's the question that we're looking at here this morning. Because God didn't just create us, but he actually shaped us to serve others. And service isn't another of those consequences of the sin of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. It's not some drudgery we do because we're forced to. Service is a privilege. Service of others, it's actually in our DNA. We were wired that way. So let's look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. But Rick Warren wrote these words. He said, God has given every creature he made a special area of expertise to fulfill its purpose. For instance, some animals run, others hop, some swim, others burrow, and some fly. Each has a particular role to play based on the way they were shaped by God. And this is equally true of you and every other human being. You were uniquely designed, wired, and shaped by God to do certain things. You are not an assembly line product, mass-produced without any thought. You are a custom-designed, one-of-a-kind original masterpiece. Now, doesn't that make you feel special? I've talked recently about how when Jesus was dying on the cross, that he had a vision of you, he had a vision of me in his mind because he was dying for all of us. Well, I want you to know that when God was creating the world, he was actually thinking ahead to creating you in your own unique way. And we celebrate the way that he made us. And maybe your spouse is annoyed with you sometimes because of the way that you've been uniquely created. But that, that's okay, because that's the way we have been made. And I love the fact that we're not just spit off some type of assembly line, but that each one of us is especially handcrafted by God. You know how you go into a store sometimes and you will buy something and it will say number one of 300. And there are 300 identical items and you just happen to have one of them. Well, that's not the way it works with us and the way that we've been created. We are totally different. And I'm sure that there is an invisible stamp on me somewhere that says number 6,432,532,000 of 10 million totally unique human beings. Because that's what we are. And we can serve in many areas. And especially the general area of helping our neighbors. 
And, and we see many people, especially during this time of recovery from COVID, uh, people, sorry, from Hurricane Fiona. We are still recovering from COVID. And then, uh, so my brother lives in Cornwall, PEI, and their house backs onto some woods. And every square inch of their backyard was covered with trees. You couldn't see any lawn. And my brother had recently gone through some medical issues and all his neighbors came over with their chainsaws and other tools and helped clear that whole lawn. So it's amazing the way that people will help out, even without being a part of God's family. But God has spiritually shaped us uniquely to serve in some specific ways as well. Now in the world of actually architecture, there is a fundamental law. Form follows function. And the form that a building takes should be determined by the function that it serves. And before they start a building, the architect will ask questions like, what's its purpose going to be? How will this be used? And if a building is going to be used for sports like volleyball or basketball, then they aren't going to put eight-foot-high ceilings on the main floor. It's going to be as high as their ceiling here or maybe even higher because they want it to fit the form. Now, we may look at some modern architecture and think that building looks so odd and, and useless, but there is some function for which it was designed. But in the world of human beings, it's the exact opposite. Function follows form. And the function the person is to serve should be dictated by the form they take. And before God created us, the person he decided that he wanted us to be, the role that he wanted us to play on earth, he planned that exactly beforehand. He planned exactly how he wanted you to serve him. And then he shaped you in those ways. So you are the way you are because you were made for a specific contribution on earth. And in God's world of human architecture, the form of a person is determined by a number of things. It's determined by your personality. It's determined by your abilities. It's determined by the interests that you have. It's determined by your giftedness. And it's also determined by God's calling upon your life. So here's what we're up to in this next series of messages. When Rick Warren wrote The Purpose Driven Life, he identified the five purposes for which God created each one of us. And then he went on to talk about one of those, which is to actually serve. And he expanded further on that by developing a program called SHAPE. And we adopted that program years ago. There was a, an, up, an, an adaptation or revision that we used as well. But we've slipped up on that in recent years. And our pastors and elders, we go off late winter, early spring each year for a time of prayer, a retreat, and just planning for the coming year. And we just decided that God was telling us that we need to get more of you involved in serving. And we've adopted the simple church model. We don't want to overload people. And we now have Pizza with the Pastor back in our rotation once a month for those that are new to us in that last month. So we've had 40, 19, 20, the last three monthly sessions we've had of that. 
And then we've put the finishing touches on our new monthly partnership classes, which connects us with those who've not yet connected with Jesus or maybe with our church. And then there are others that are involved in our weekly life groups. So we don't want to put another seven-week thing in there on a Saturday where we're trying to get you to come to the church. So we decided that we would meld this into a sermon series over the next six weeks. So we've come up with our own variation on that title, and Shape to Serve is what this is called. And sometimes it may not seem like a typical sermon. You might think, that sounds a little odd. And most Sundays, you're going to be having some homework to do. But we ask that you be faithful in attendance and in completing the material so that you can best benefit from it. Our first goal is that we want you to discover your unique shape or design for ministry and commit to developing and using that God-given gift and ability in serving God and others in the church family. And then our second goal is that you would select and begin serving in the ministry of our church that best expresses the way in which he has shaped you or gifted you. And the end result will be that you will discover your primary ministry and you will serve mostly in that area, but there will still be a secondary ministry that you do just because of service. And it's a way of serving in the church because you have a servant's heart. And here's what the Bible has to say about ministry. Ministry is using whatever God has given me to serve him and the needs of others. And in the first sermon I preached here a few decades ago, I was very bold and I said, I'm here, I'm a minister, I'm here as a servant, but I'm not the only servant. The only way this church is going to grow is if everybody takes part and is involved in serving. So we actually minister in three directions. We minister to the Lord in worship. We've already done that today. We minister to other believers, which we do through our fellowship here and through the time that we spend in life groups together. And then we also reach out and minister to unbelievers. And through this, we meet their needs, we disciple them, we lead them into relationship with Jesus. And there are three areas of need that we minister to. First of all, to people's physical needs. And that's most obvious because you can see it right there. If they're struggling financially, you can know that. And then we also, in this day and age, have to deal a lot in helping people with their emotional needs because there's so much stress that people deal with in their lives. And then we minister to people's spiritual needs as well. I just want to read Ephesians chapter 4. Christ gave those gifts to prepare God's holy people for the work of serving, to make the body of Christ stronger. So that's the reason why we all need to be finding out what our spiritual gift is and using it, because it makes the body stronger. And this work must continue until we are all joined together in the same faith and in the same knowledge of the Son of God, We must become like a mature person, growing until we become like Christ and have his perfection. Then we will no longer be babies. We will not be tossed about like a ship that the waves carry one way and then another. We will not be influenced by every new teaching we hear from people who are trying to fool us. They make plans and try any kind of trick to fool people 
into following the wrong path. No, speaking the truth with love, we will grow up in every way into Christ who is the head. The whole body depends on Christ and all the parts of the body are joined and held together. Each part does its own work to make the whole body grow and be strong with love. So we need each other. And what you do helps me. What I do helps you. And the whole body is stronger when we serve. So it's almost as if we become spiritual bodybuilders and we just increase our serviceability and when we do that, when we serve you, that increases your ability as well. My 11-year-old grandson Seth started to play Little League Baseball this summer and kids haven't played baseball for three years. So most of these kids had never played before and I went to his first game. They also didn't have very many practices because there was a lot of rain at that time of year. And I, oh, it was just bedlam out there. These little guys, one of them come up to the plate and I thought he was going to fall over. And then another guy, he stood right on the plate batting. And I'm thinking, there must have been some uh, uh, cricket in the background of their family because I think that's what you do in cricket. You stand right on the base. And then uh, they're standing there the ball is hit right there. Why don't you just move over and catch it? But they just watch it go by. So there were very few that were actually naturally, physically inclined, like my grandson. But as the summer went on, he, he was the only one that could hit the ball out of the infield. I'm bragging there. And, but by the end of the year, that kid that was standing on the base all the time hitting, he grew and he became a powerful pitcher. And he was a lot bigger than the other kids by this time. And some of those guys that just looked at the ball go by, they moved over and they caught it. But everybody played a different part to make the team work together. So that's what shape is. So what's this shape that you're talking about here? Psalm 139 Verse 13, and this is from the message paraphrase. So if you follow in your Bible, it's going to seem a lot different, but I like the way this is phrased. Oh yes, you shape me first inside, then out. You form me in my mother's womb. I thank you, high God. You're breathtaking. Body and soul, I am marvelously made. I worship in adoration. What a creation. You know me inside and out. You know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made, bit by bit. How I was sculpted from nothing into something. Like an open book, you watched me grow from conception to birth. All the stages of my life were spread out before you. The days of my life, all prepared before I'd even lived one day. So this is how well God knows us and how well he has shaped us. And each of the five letters in this word shape actually represent a specific characteristic of your life. Spiritual gifts, the S, that's basically what am I gifted to do? The H is your heart. So what are your passions? What do you desire? What do you want to do? Abilities, that's what do I do better than anyone else. And it's not because you're bragging, but you just notice that something comes more easy to you than to someone else. And then there are, is your personality, that's the P, 
And that's basically asking, how did God wire me to navigate through this life? And personality plays a huge part of who we are. And then the E is our experiences. Where have I been in life? And what have I learned? So today, we're just concentrating on the reasons for doing all of this. But over the next five weeks, we'll cover each of these five areas. And then we'll have a wrap-up session on the sixth Sunday. So next week, we're going to help you discover those spiritual gifts that you have, those special abilities that God has given to you so that you can share his love and serve others. And then in week three, you'll discover the special passions that God has given to you so that you can glorify him here on earth. In week four, you'll discover that set of talents that God gave to you when you were born. And he also wants you to use them in order to make an impact for him. In week five, we'll concentrate on your personality and the special way that God wired you to find your way through this life and to fulfill your unique kingdom purpose. And then in week six, you'll discover how you've been shaped by your experiences. And God will use both the positive and the negative experiences. He never wastes a hurt. They're always used in some way for us to grow and be able to help someone else. And then the last week is just going to be called getting ready to serve. So we'll get you to come in your sweatpants and we're going to get you in shape. No, you, you won't need sweat clothes. But we will talk about how we can then use what we've learned. Back in June, we did a series of messages based on Matthew chapter 25, the parable of the talents. And you're probably familiar with it, but the owner of this business, he was going away for some time, so he called in three of his servants and entrusted them with some of his wealth. So with one guy, he gave him five talents or five bags of gold, and then to another one, he gave two, and to a third one, he gave one, and then he went off on his trip. And immediately, the guy with the five talents, he went out and invested that, and he made five more talents. And the guy with the two talents, he, he did the same thing. He went out and he turned that into four altogether. But the guy with the one talent, he wasn't so sure. He, he went and he just dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. And then after a long time, the master came home and he asked the servants, what did you do with what I entrusted to you? Well, the, the first guy with the five talents or bags of gold, he's all smiles as he comes in and, and he shows the other five that he has produced. And the, the servant said, Master, uh, you trusted me to care for five bags of gold, so I used it to make five more. And the master answered, You did well, and you are a good and loyal servant. And because you have been loyal with small things, I will let you care for much greater things. Come and share my joy with me. And then the guy that had been given the two talents or bags of gold, he came in and he's all smiles too because he said, Master, I've turned this into two more. And he got the same response as the first guy. But then in comes our poor little guy with the bag of gold buried in the ground. And he, he's all smiles too because he said, Master, I know that you are a man who is a tough uh, boss, you harvest things you did not plant, you gather crops where you did not sow seed. So I was afraid 
I didn't want to lose the money, so I hid it in the ground. But here's your bag of gold. And then the master answered, You are a wicked and lazy servant. You say that I harvest things when I, I did not plant? Then why didn't you at least put the money in the bank and draw some interest on it instead of just burying it in the ground? So the master told his other servants, Take this bag of gold away from this guy and give it to the one with the ten bags, because those who have much will get more, and they will have more than they need. In reading that parable, we usually focus on the fact that these, talent, these are talents of money, and then we're very critical of the guy who took his one talent and buried it in the ground. But we also need to focus on the fact that there are different levels given to each person. Because a key uh, part in that parable is Jesus saying to each one as much as he could handle. So each one was given the amount that he could handle. So the guy with the five bags of gold was given that much because he could handle that. And the guy with two, same thing. And the guy with one, same reason. So the key for them was to then use that talent or gift that had been given to them. And the guy with the one talent, he didn't use his, he buried it. And that's the struggle. See, the ultimate goal for all God's people is to be a servant like Jesus. So it's not to just be a volunteer. So if you see up here, there should be a slide up here that says, in the church, volunteer is a bad word. Yeah, that, that's almost like a four-letter word in the church. Out in the world, that's great. You need a volunteer for this or a volunteer for something. We need volunteers at school. Because you use the word volunteer and it carries with it the idea that this is optional. You can choose to say yes or you can say no. But it's not up to us to decide what to do with it. The guy with one talent, he decided that he was going to bury it in the ground. He decided that he was just a volunteer. Servanthood implies that it's a kingdom mindset and that serving is an expectation because we are part of the family. And all members of the family pitch in when there's something going on. This won't be as much of a struggle to say at this service as it was at the first because it's just one daughter at this service and my wife's not here. But we have a family of 10 and when we have family meals, everybody can't cook because there's that saying, too many cooks spoil the broth. So one, maybe two, do the cooking. Mostly my wife, I guess. And then, and then some people will set the table. Some people will put water in the glasses. And then we sit down. We eat together. And then some will put the leftovers into dishes and serve that way and put them away in the refrigerator. And then others will serve by uh, washing the the dishes that don't go into the dishwasher, and then someone may serve by putting dishes in the dishwasher. And then there might still be one or two that serve through their conversation. That's their contribution <laughs> to the family meal. But it happens in every family. But we all play a part. The ultimate purpose of serving is to, first of all, help the body of Christ fulfill the great commandments. 
So Mark chapter 12, you may be familiar with this. I'm reading it in the New Century Version, so I, I, I have to concentrate on it. So one of the teachers of the law came and heard Jesus arguing with the Sadducees. Seeing that Jesus gave good answers to their questions, he asked Jesus, which of the commands is most important? Jesus answered, the most important command is this. Listen, people of Israel. The Lord our God is the only Lord. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. There are no commands more important than these. And the man answered, that was a good answer, teacher. You were right when you said God is the only Lord and there is no other God besides him. One must love God with all his heart, all his mind, and all his strength. And one must love his neighbor as he loves himself. These commands are more important than all the animals and sacrifices we offer to God. It's incredible how Jesus took the hundreds of Old Testament laws that the Jews were living under and he boiled them down to these two statements. You've probably heard them referred to as the golden rule. But love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And if we could do that perfectly, there'd be no problem. We'd be moving on to eternity without experiencing death. But we can't follow that perfectly. So that's where our serving is so important because we serve in order to bring people as close as possible to the ideal that Jesus was asking of us here. Our second ultimate purpose of serving is to help the body of Christ fulfill the Great Commission. And that's Matthew 28. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I have given you. And be sure of this, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. Those are our instructions. The challenge has been set, and now it's up to us to fulfill that commission. And the church can only be and will only be what God intends it to be when his people are serving. So we want each of you to discover your unique God-given shape and we look forward to this journey that you're going to join us on over the next six weeks as we discover that.